Hello. I want to welcome you to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll be encouraged listening to God's teachings. Our services are held Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We share an awesome worship experience here at Renton Christian Center. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's our message. All right. Pam and I have known Denise Johnson for, gosh, probably 15 years. It's been a while. And uh, Denise has been a Foursquare missionary in Poland for many of those years, and uh, she's currently home here on furlough. And one of the things that you're going to find out about Denise that we already know is that she is like a minefield of wisdom, information, revelation. I mean, this gal has just got everything. She's not just a missionary. She's literally leading missionaries in the European area and other ministries there in Poland because of her strength, her wisdom, and her leadership. And I'm just really happy to have her. So everybody say, welcome, Denise. We're glad you're here. Come on. Power. Oh, we're good. Awesome. Oh, look at that. It works. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, good morning, church. This is a great honor and a blessing for me to be with you. Um, as I thought about it and I prepared, it's like, you guys already have the best pastor. So what? <laughs> what am I doing here? You know? Because I know how much they have inspired me, prayed for me, mentored me. And I know they do the same for you. Okay, there we go. So, yeah, I mean, Pam, I mean, what do you say? I mean, she's the best, right? She's the best, you know? And, I mean, seriously, if that woman was not in my life, I don't know, I would be poor and not known in Foursquare. Because of that one simple statement, how many years ago now, you have to come in before you can go out. And then it's so fun in relationship how that works because then I, it turned around. You have to come in before you can go out. And though I've been here for a, a long time this season, it made lots of things possible. I got to be here for the ordination. How cool is that? Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the sovereign Lord, that you know our days, you know our paths, you have a plan that is far greater than we can possibly ever think or imagine, and that that plan is full of great adventure and an opportunity for you to show yourself big, big, the bigness of you and how much you love us. And even though there's stuff for us to do, it's always about our partnership with you. It's not about a have to, but a get to. And it's about, it's about you. And it's about our relationship with you, far above everything else. And the things we get to do are just an added thing to develop that relationship. I just praise you and thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, you can, you can see that I messed up, okay? I knew where I was going, but I always just called it RCC, and then I couldn't remember what the C's stand for. So I picked the two C's that are not right. 
okay? It's actually part of my mental condition, right? My physical, mental condition of being over 50. And the doctor says that I have uh, one of the um, side effects is that you have a brain glitch. And so that's, we'll just chalk it up to my, my, my physical condition. But when Alex called me this week, I was actually taking a rest that the doctor told me I needed to do. I don't do that well. And Alex also said, I'm on furlough. I'll just give you a hint. Missionaries in Foursquare do not have furlough. Because I looked it up in the dictionary, and the word furlough means relieved of duty. And when you come back to the States, just in case when Anna Marie comes back, you're not relieved of duty, you just have a different one, okay? So just, we'll just clarify that, just you know, in case you were wondering. So I actually took a couple of days and was on furlough for two days at the beach because the doctor said, if I don't, I'm going to be a mess more than I already am. And while I was there, Alex was calling me to tell me about what we, the, was going to look like today. And when I was there... I found this t-shirt. Now this is another glitch. I was actually gonna buy it and wear it today, but I forgot to buy it. So there you have it. So it says, Jesus said, go fishing. And I thought it was perfect. Jesus told us to go fishing. Fishing for what? What kind of fishing? How? Who? And I love it because this is actually for the guys, I think for like a Father's Day t-shirt, because it says, he said nothing about fixing the sink, mowing the lawn, walking the dog, painting the trim, washing the car, cleaning the garage, or weeding the garden. And I think for ladies, probably doing the laundry, taking the kids, fixing dinner, grocery shopping, or whatever. You can put whatever you want on that list. And I think it's true. Sometimes we get caught up in the things of the day. And we forget that we get to go fishing. We forget that we're on assignment for fishing. And, you know, as I prayed about it and I looked at the scriptures that are around this, this quote, which is from Luke 5, you know, it's about what happened. What, what was going on? And Luke has a piece and John has a piece. Now Luke, we know, was a doctor, and he wasn't really there. He got the story. And John was really there, but when John wrote his gospel, he was kind of an old guy and at that point, and he's reflecting back many years after the fact and wanting to make sure everybody gets the message, doesn't miss it. And so I had to kind of piece it together a little bit, and so I'd like to read both scriptures for you and, and kind of put it into context because they're both very cool. Um, and I'm reading today from the New Living because I'm a very simple-minded person, and I prefer simple-minded writing. <laughs> and so do the people in Poland because I use this sometimes when I translate. Um, in Luke, it's chapter 5, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the edge, the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water 
So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night last night and didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their, par their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. I think, I'll go to this next one. I'm not used to doing my own slides. I think one of the things with this scripture is really interesting is that um, what was happening? They were in their mundane part of life. Simon and all the disciples, which I always loved the fact that they were what? Uneducated. We're talking tradesmen. They're fishermen. Probably none of them could read. None of them could write. And so often when we, we talk about, you know, being evangelists or doing evangelistic work, we have this list of to-dos of what it's supposed to look like. I remember when I was in college, which was just the other day, um, not. Uh, I had a friend who was with Campus Crusade, and they always had, you had to do your four spiritual laws, and you had to go out and do this, this thing. I'm like, no, not doing it. Not doing it. Can't make me. Nah. And, and she's like, well, they're going to be lost. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, nah, not doing it. Because for me, it was artificial. It was not an authentic relationship. Because in those days, old days, there were two lunchrooms. Okay, there was the smoking and the non-smoking. Who was in the non-smoking? Christians, little holy ones. Who's in the smoking? All those heathens, right? Um, and so we were supposed to go to these people that we had absolutely no relationship with. And so I struggled with that a lot. And I just don't do it well. And then there are some people that can go on street corners. There's a bunch of pastors in Poland that I'm in relationship with, and they're fabulous. They actually go to the center square with megaphones and the guitars. Now, I don't play guitar, and I don't sing all that well, so it's not particularly helpful. But, you know, and I just, my Polish isn't that great to actually preach from the corner, but I wouldn't do it anyways. It's not me. How many of you are with me on this? Okay. How many of you, it's just like, how do you start that conversation? What does it look like? And I think that's a big piece. Because Peter and James and John were doing what they always did. What did they always do? Fish. What do you always do? Do you go to school? Do you go to work? Do you go to the, sh the shop? What do you always do? Where do you go? And like Alex prayed um, this morning for Noel about going where her feet go, it's already, it's already hers. Where you go, it's already yours. That's where you fish. How do you fish? How do you fish? And I love this particular part. It said, Jesus said, replied to Simon, do not be afraid. How many of us are afraid to tell about Jesus? And we live in a place where there should be no fear. We should be fearless. In Poland, where I am, it's costly. Theoretically, on the books, according to the Constitution, they have more rights than we do for religious rights. 
But the reality is, if, if I'm not strategic about how we evangelize, there will be a lock on the door wherever we're working, wherever our church is, because there will be pressure from the Catholic Church, because we will have upset the apple cart as far as the spiritual balance of things. And they will be threatened, and they will put a lock on it. I've been blacklisted at least twice that I know of because I loved on people in the name of Jesus. And it wasn't the way they thought it should be. So what are you afraid of? Maybe losing your job, not too likely unless you're a teacher. But I was a teacher in the public schools for a long time, and I still shared the love of Jesus all the time. You have to know how to share the love of Jesus in a way that is acceptable. There and then you have the other side of people, the other side that are like, whoa! I had a, one guy in Poland, and he's like in the middle of his class talking about Jesus stuff when he should be teaching English. And then he wonders why he gets in trouble. Well, hello, you're paid to teach English. You better teach English. And love on, Jesus, love on people with the love of Jesus. You don't do one and not do the other, you know? If I go to a lawyer and he starts giving me accountant inform information and I'm paying him, what, $150 an hour, I'm not going to be happy, all right? I'm going to be upset. The same kind of thing is true. It's true for us with, when we're with doing Jesus' thing. So, so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. But Jesus wants our full attention. He wants your full attention. Okay, and this is how he does it. We look at that scripture, it's what happened? They're doing their fishing, right? And it was a bad day at work. Anybody have a bad day at work? I have bad days at work all the time. I've had bad days at work. I mean, whatever work. Whether I'm teaching, I was, had bad days at work when I didn't have teaching jobs. I had bad days at work in Poland, when I just want to go home, and you know, just send me back to Seattle, and I'll work at Star dig a hole, and I'll live in it. I'll work at Starbucks, just dig me a hole and cover me up. I'm good, you know. We all have bad days. They come, they go. It doesn't matter what your job is, but Jesus wants to infiltrate that and give you information. He wants to show Himself in your life, just like He did with Peter and the disciples. They had been fishing all day, and if we look at the scripture in, in, in John, John gives a little more detail about it. It's John 21, and he says that, um, uh, there we go, one second. He said, it's chapter 21. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, and this is how it happened. So he was there. Se several of the disciples were there, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, um, Zebedee, and other, two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going to work. I'm done with this other stuff. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, by the but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No. Nope. Then he said, throw the 
it over, throw the net over the other side, and you will get some. You said some. <laughs> so they did, and they, they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples, the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard that, he jumped in the water and did his whole thing. And, okay, so let's look at that, all right? How many of you work a lot and you feel frustrated that it's not going the way you think it should be? You're not getting the fruitfulness. What is Jesus saying to you? Because you know what? He does pay attention. He is, he, the scripture tells us he goes before us. And in this great, this example, if you read the whole context, he's on the beach. And when the disciples come in to the beach, he's got a fire going. He's already cooked breakfast for them. He has gone before them to prepare that place. And the same thing is true for us. He goes before us to prepare the place. And for a long, long time, I, I had an agenda of how I thought God was supposed to work. And I fought against it, what God was really wanting to do. For example, in Poland, I thought he was absolutely insane <laughs> that he would ask me to be a pastor of a church in the part of Poland where I am. Not that he would ask me to be, a, it was the whole combination. I mean, pastoring, I don't, I don't have a problem pastoring. I don't have a problem being a woman and being a pastor. I don't have any, it's not any big theological things going on. But the place where I live is the most Catholic part of Poland. They have almost no contact with anybody that is not Catholic let alone a single woman who's an American who is Protestant coming in and pastoring a church. Are you just crazy or what? It just is nutso. And for years, literally, that's what I thought. I thought, just put a target on me and shoot me. And I think we do that a lot. We, we second-guess God's wisdom. about what he is doing because it doesn't make sense to us. Peter, James, and John, they're in the boat. It's like, don't you think I know how to catch fish? I've been doing this my whole life. And Jesus says, put the net on the other side. Jesus always has a weird, illogical suggestion for us for us to be able to step out in faith. Because if it wasn't illogical in our minds, it wouldn't be faith. It would not be faith. It requires us to do it in faith. A, couple, a few months ago when I was here, one of our first core missionaries came to town and oh, they didn't have any prayer cards. They were just struggling with how to connect because Pam taught me how, encouraged me how. I actually know some stuff. So I was helping them put together some prayer cards, and the Lord said, buy their prayer cards <laughs> with all my spare cash, right? Uh, and said, okay. So I bought them. 
And, and I ordered them, and I'm thinking, well, I just have to send them to L.A. because they're going to be in L.A. Well, guess what? By the time the cards came in, they were already gone. So I have to ship them to France. Okay? So this is extra money. You know, and those things are heavy. You know, 500 of those little suckers. <laughs> and, and so I did it. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, ooh, Jesus, I trust you. Throw, that's throwing the net on the other side. The net on the other side. And you know what? I discovered I ran out of prayer cards. <laughs> I was going to convention a couple of weeks, about a month ago, and I, I was running out of prayer cards. I was like, oh no, I didn't realize I was so short. Woohoo, I need to get some. Woohoo. And I went to my person who helps me do it, and he, uh, so I've been just kind of trying to make do. And he sent it to the printer, and guess what? The printer printed mine for free. It's the fish in the net when you throw it onto the other side. It's not logical. It isn't always logical. But if God tells you to do it, you better darn well do it. Because he's wanting to show himself in the midst of it. Because he's wanting to up the ante in your life. He always ups the ante. It doesn't stay the same. It's always a little bit more. A little bit more. So, um, oops, oops. So here we are. So, does Jesus have your full attention? I think that Jesus got the attention of the disciples when they had way too many fish. Because according to John, this little incident happened after Jesus had been crucified. This was one of his visitations. And so they didn't even know who he was. They just thought he was just some guy on the, on, on the beach. And so Jesus met them in the middle of their mundane life and asked them for, to do something completely illogical, completely out of their realm. Don't tell me to go fish on the other side of the net. We just haven't gone anywhere. There, we don't have our radar thing showing where the fish are. Um, and, and Jesus did the miraculous. And it says in some translations that there were so many fish they lost count. Okay? And then what does he do? He goes ahead and he is prepared. And he invites them to share a meal. Jesus always invites us to share a meal. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But he wants us to be in that fellowship mode. Because it's about this relationship that's going back and forth. And he delights in including us in it. Because he had fish he was cooking and then you read that, the rest of scripture, and he says, bring some of the fish. He didn't need any more fish, but he wanted to include them in that piece. He wants to include you in the fishing in your pond. What's your pond? He, do, uh, he wants to overwhelmingly bless you. Not so that you just have a lot, but so he can get your attention. The blessing is to get your attention because he's going to ask something of you. <laughs> and he restores and heals us. If you look at the, the rest, at, towards the end of that passage in John, it's all about Jesus restoring and healing Peter. Because you remember Peter denied Jesus three times, right? This is that same story. And Jesus asks him during that time, do you love me? 
Peter says, uh, yeah, yeah, I do. No, no, do you really love me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. No, do you really love me enough? Here's the ante. He's upping the ante to lay down your life, to give it all up. Jesus doesn't come in and say, give it all up. It's always a process, piece by piece, to get us to the place where we give up. That we, it's not, it's not a sacrifice, it's a love. It's a love for him. It's a love comes out of this love of knowing him deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, this is from the missionary retreat that I hosted last summer. Anna Marie is in one of the pictures, not in this one, but she's there, you know. And this is kind of the image that the Lord gave me. It came from living overseas. When you live out of your culture, you begin to see things differently. And this is from Revelation 3.20. And we used to use it for evangelistic purposes, you know. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, you know, and people come in and all that stuff. But in the new living, it totally transformed my perception. Because it says, look! I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Whole new concept for me. Because I understand what friend means from Polish people. And I understand sharing a meal from the French. If you've been in France long enough and you sit in a meal, you eat, it's like a continuous thing. They eat and eat and eat and bread and cheese and bread and cheese. And when I took my Polish kids to U-turn camp in France, they had so much problems with constipation because they ate way too much bread. <laughs> Seriously, they're like, help me! Okay, because they just had all this bread. But it's that, that, that fellowship that happens around the meal. Okay, and in Poland, they have three words for friend. And they, each one gets progressively deeper. And Jesus wants to sit at your table and my table and be our intimate friend. And as I pondered that for a long time, I realized, you know, you know what? A friend is two ways. And usually with my relationship with Jesus, I'm sitting there telling him everything. And I'm not listening. Am I listening to what he's wanting to say, what he's wanting to do, what he's saying about my pond where I'm fishing. How do I need to fish my pond? Am I a fly fisher? Am I, do I have crab pots? Do I do, you know, the thing that they have out in Coopville where they have those big, I don't know what they do, but they do the muscles, you know, and they pull the muscles up. I don't know. You have your own pond. What is Jesus saying about your pond? But you're not going to know if you're not sitting at the table. If you're not asking him, what's his heart? Because what happens if you're not asking about his heart, it's all about me. What's not going right for me? How come this is happening? Why is that happening? What, that person is so mean to me. I wish they would just get out of my life. You know? That, you know what I'm talking about, right? But when I start sitting at the table and I start listening to what he has to say, it totally changes my perspective. 
It totally changes what's happening. And that's when he begins to rise up. And so it's at those times that you begin to understand your pond, understand what you're fishing for, and, what, and it's always about relationship. Always about relationship. It's about relationship with him and loving him so that then I have a heart for the fish in my pond. You can't fish if you don't love Jesus. You can't fish if you don't experience the love of Jesus because it's going to be works. It's going to be it's going to be dry, okay? And when you do, then there is no worries. There is no fear. And this is kind of what I teach my people in Poland how to fish. You know, I teach them, because they're afraid, because there's some legitimate fears. Sometimes there are legitimate fears. I mean, if you're running around someplace where there's ISIS, or I don't know, where was that place in, down in Tennessee or whatever where they were having a Bible study and, for, you know, some Looney Tunes comes in and shoots them all, okay? There are legitimate fears. But if you remember this, you know it doesn't matter, okay? That I know that the Good Shepherd knows me. He knows you. He has called you by name. He has gone before you. And I know him. I am safe and secure in him because I know where I'm going. Today is not the end, and if I die today, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. Okay? Follow me as I follow Christ. Sometimes I used to get so caught up with, you know, as a leader or a pastor or whatever, that if I make a mistake, the people are going to follow me, and I don't want to be responsible for taking somebody off the cliff. Anybody with me on that one? I, I, I really do have a great reverence for the Lord, and I don't want to be in trouble for messing you up. But I know this. If I teach you to read the Word, if I teach my people to read the Word and understand what he's saying, if I make a mistake, they're going to know I make a mistake. Because it says, as I follow Christ, not as, you, as you, I follow me. <laughs> so that releases me to be able to be confident, and it releases you to be confident in that. The next one is, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. That was just revolutionary for me and for my church, because it's really hard to know who do you tell, because the gossips are amazing in Poland, amazing. I live in a town that has about 45,000 people, and it works like about a town of about 3,000 people as far as gossip, okay? It's quick, okay? I, I don't even know how many people know me because they all know me because I'm the only one. I'm the only crazy enough American to live there for almost 20 years, okay? I'm single, I'm a woman, I'm an American in a town of 45,000 people, and I found people that had said, oh, yeah, I knew you. I, when, I was, when I was a teenager, I knew who you were. I'm like, what? So it just goes like that. So you have to know who you're saying what to because it can come down on you quick, fast, and in a hurry. And nobody wants to go into a situation where you're talking about Jesus and be afraid. You need to go confidently. So how can you be confident? Here it is. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. And it's not anything that we don't know. 
We all know how to do it. Everybody's got five fingers. Put your hand up. It's pretty easy, right? You can, you can do that. I learned this from some pastor in um, Indonesia that came to Poland. And so what she talked about doing is that when you have people in your pond, this is how you pray. Number one, pick somebody. Be specific. And I suggested these. Pick two believers. I mean, yeah, pick two unbelievers in your world, in your pond. Two believers that are struggling. And two ministers in your world. And pray these things. One, for the blessing of the Father in their lives. And you can expand it however you see fit for that person in your pond. Okay, that's one. Number two, come against the lies of the enemy. We all battle them, don't we? <laughs> don't we? It doesn't matter if you're, if you're a minister or you're you know, a, a believer or if you're an unbeliever. We all battle against the lies of the enemy. And stand in the gap for those people for the, come against the lies of the enemy. Three, the Holy Spirit. For the unbeliever that the Holy Spirit would come in and convict them of their sin. For the, the believers, that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be all God has called them to be, whether they're the minister or they're the, the struggling one, that they would really be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Number three. Oh, number four. I can't count today. Pray that the circumstances and the people in that person's life will point them to Jesus. It doesn't mean that the circumstances aren't mud. But in the mud, they're going to see Jesus. In, just like the disciples, in the boat, when they put the net over to the other side, Jesus showed up. Okay? And then number five, what is, Jesus, what is my role in that person's life? It's a template. It's a template to empower us. And, you know, people get saved. It gives you an opportunity to tell your story because you're open and you're looking for it. Open and looking for it. This is a great church body. You guys have all ages. Very few of our churches have that. This is a great group of people that has solid teaching and great worship. Great place for people to come and get grown up in the church. But you know what? It's each one of ours responsibility. The leadership trains you to what? And prepares you for the ministry of the service. Go and fish your pond. Go and fish your pond. And let Jesus do the miraculous so that when you come back, you come back with your baskets full of your stories and the victories big and small, and you say, look at these fish. They all came in. They all came in. You know? That's what Jesus is about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are a God who is at the beginning, the end, and everywhere in between, and that you love us enough to focus on us with the hope and the belief that eventually we will grow up and focus on you. That we will focus on you and desire to know your heart. 
I pray for this amazing fellowship of believers that they would grow in a greater desire and passion to know your heart for their pond so that they would go in and be believing to put the net on the other side and pull in a huge net full of fish that they have to call for help to bring it in, Lord, and that those people would be hungry for the truth, hungry to learn and to grow and to do the same, that they would truly be disciples of of people, each one, and that they would be confident in their story, not just how they got saved, but how they went through the mud. And may they remember the little boys running through the mud to know that that's where you are. You want us to be those little kids running through the mud, and you're saying, come on, come to me. And I have made you fishers of men. I have equipped you to do all that is necessary. We just praise you and thank you for your mighty name. Amen. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.